Welcome, friends, to this brand new edition of A Heart After God Bible Teaching Ministry with Pastor Brad Abley. We're delighted that you've joined us today, and we've already been praying for you, that you would meet the Lord in a fresh, new way. We've also been praying that you would be changed and transformed into the image of Jesus by the power of His Word and by the power of the Holy Spirit. And now, let's resume our Know Your Faith series as we go through the entire Gospel of Luke, patiently, slowly, and verse by verse. Here's Pastor Brad. Well, very warm greetings to you, my friends. This is Pastor Brad Abley with the Heart After God Bible Teaching Ministry, a ministry that is designed to take you deeper into the Word of God, the inerrant, the inspired, the infallible Word of God, the authoritative Word of God. We are in, we're in now part 41 of our exciting, rewarding series going through the Gospel of Luke patiently and slowly, verse by verse, in what we are calling the Know Your Faith series. That's what this is all about. It is to help you, loved one, to know your faith and to walk it out richly. And that is always through the aid and the enablement and the empowerment of God the Holy Spirit. Now, we are today, we're in Luke chapter 6, and uh, we're going to begin in verse 37. This is part of Luke's account of the Beatitudes, the Luke's account of the Sermon on the Mount. And the Beatitudes are, are the the disposition, the the attitude, the way that a believer lives his or her life to glorify Jesus Christ. So let's pray before we get into the word and let us trust the Holy Spirit for great fruit. Would you pray with me? Father, we ask now for your kingdom to come and your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven that you would be glorified, that you, Lord Jesus, would be exalted, and that you, Holy Spirit, would open our eyes, our ears, and our hearts to receive all that you have for us. And we are asking that it would produce present and eternal fruit for your namesake. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Listen, my friends, before I get into the word, again, Luke chapter 6, verse 37, I felt it necessary to make an appeal to you yet again to pray for me. Um, you know, I it, it, with these broadcasts going out throughout so much of the world, there's a price to be paid. There is intense spiritual warfare that hits me. And I need your prayers. I need you to pray a hedge of protection around me day and night, and especially against the heaviness and the oppression that comes from the demonic realm. I'm asking you to pray for physical healing for my body and for uh, my relationship with the Lord, that I would be closer and closer to him and be able to hear his voice and know his will. Um, just protecting my wife and me from all the powers of darkness against sickness, disease, and calamity. Would you pray these things for us? I need 
really, I need a prayer team of, I would love to have a prayer team of hundreds and even thousands of people that intercede on our behalf, that that war in the spiritual realm and the heavenlies uh, on my behalf. And so if you would pray for me in that regard, my friends, I would be extremely grateful. But more importantly, I believe the Lord will be pleased and honored. And ultimately, what this is all about is bearing fruit for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, let's begin in Luke chapter 6. And uh, you know what? Instead of beginning in verse 30, let me just go back to the context, which is found in verse 20. This is the beginning of Luke's version of the Sermon on the Mount, which the fuller version is in Matthew chapter 5 through 7. This is a this is a shorter version. I just want to read verse 20 before we get to verse 37, because I want to remind us of the context. Jesus says in verse 20, and turning his gaze toward his disciples, he began to say, blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. And we learned that uh, in the Old Testament, Poor is not necessarily economic poor, but it's the humble. It is those who are afflicted uh, by, by the storms, the challenges, the difficulties, those who are persecuted for righteous, righteousness sake, even in the Old Testament. They are the humble. They are those that are uh, spiritual beggars before the Lord. It's it's only those people that the Lord can do anything with. But to this one, Isaiah 66, 2 tells us, but to this one, will I look to him who is humble and contrite of spirit and who trembles at my word. God is, is going to bypass everybody who is proud in heart. The Bible clearly tells us, tells us that the proud in heart are an abomination to him. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Jesus said, don't waste your time casting pearls before pigs. They'll just trample them underfoot. They don't see the value of it. And of course, what he's talking about is the valuable, precious truths of the word of God. And so it's only the, the poor in spirit, the spiritual beggars, those who are hungry for God, those who are um, eager to obey him. Those are the ones that value his word. Those are the ones that have hearts that will receive the word of God. Those are the ones who bear fruit 30, 60, and 100 fold. Where are you, my friend? Where are you? What is, what is the condition of your heart? to be able to receive the riches of the word of God. Are you hungry for the word? Are you eager for the word? Are you desperate for the word of God and the presence of God and, and humble enough to obey him and that when you sin, when you fall short, you take advantage of the gift of repentance and you say, Father, forgive me for my sin. And you quote 1 John 1, 9, which says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us 
from all unrighteousness. Praise the Lord for his goodness and his grace. Well, that's the context. I think it's good just to remind us of the context. It's always important when you're studying the Word of God, go back to the context. What's the original reason for the teaching? What is the original reason for the passage? And when you and I are faithful to do that, we're going to get so much more out of the Word of God. We will be more accurate in interpreting it, interpreting it, and um, and and all those things are what give glory to God. Well, now we're ready to resume our study in verse 37. These are people who are part of the kingdom of God. This is how the kingdom of God operates. Jesus says, do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Pardon or release or forgive and you will be pardoned or released or forgiven. Verse 38, give and it will be given to you. They will pour into your lap a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. For by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you in return. Verse 39, and he also spoke a parable to them. A blind man cannot guide a blind man, can he? Will they not both fall into a pit? Verse 40, a pupil is not above his teacher, but everyone after he has been fully trained will be like his teacher. I'm going to stop there and uh, Lord willing, as we have time, we will uh, move on in the rest of the passage. I would like to finish up with verse 45, but we'll see how that goes. But let's go back to the beginning where Jesus says, do not judge. That is, don't stand as a judge over others. That's God's responsibility, not our responsibility. We are to be discerning. We are to examine fruit and we are to bring correction. But what Jesus is referring to here is, and, and he'll explain it more when we get to verse 41, the judging here is, is the judging from a position of self-righteousness, uh, from a position of a critical spirit, from a position of uh, being arrogant, thinking that that you and I are better than someone else. And it's it's a lifestyle. Do not judge. Je that is in Greek, it's a command. Jesus is, this isn't a suggestion. And he is saying, do not judge continually. That is, don't let this be a lifestyle for you. Do not judge and you will not be judged. Well, what does that say? That says that if we are going around judging others, putting them down, then the same thing is going to happen to us. It's the law of reciprocity. 
what you do for others, uh, your it really is the law of reap, sowing and reaping. You're going to reap. If you're mean and angry towards others, you're going to find that people will be that way to you as well. If you're judging others, if you're critical of others, guess what? They are going to be critical of you. If you're friendly to others, if you're encouraging to others, if you're uh, humble with others, generally speaking, you're going to find that others will be that way toward you as well. So uh, what what Jesus is doing here is he is he's condemning the all too common practice of assuming the right to criticize. And it's because we ourselves don't have a, a right heart that we think that we can criticize others and get away with it. Well, this also continues the whole idea of loving others. Let me go back again, context, verse 27. But I say to you here, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. Well, if we are loving others, and if we seek to do good to others, then we're not going to be walking around assuming the right to be God over them and to judge them and to criticize them when they don't, when they are not around. That's, isn't that human nature? You know, let, if you have a, uh, if you have a Bible, hold your place in Luke chapter six and turn with me to James chapter three, James chapter three. And let's look at what James has to say about the tongue. And this will apply to those who are called to full-time or those who are called to pulpit ministry, teaching, preaching. James says in James chapter three, verse one, let not, that word in, in the Greek text is emphatic. That is, you can underline it. It begins, it's the first word of the sentence. Let not many of you become teachers, my brethren, knowing that as such, we will incur a stricter judgment. Why? He says in verse two, for we all stumble in many ways. The word stumble means to go wrong, to sin, to offend. And he says, we all, we all sin, we all offend in many ways. But if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man or a mature man able to bridle the whole body as well. Well, then going down further in, um, in verse 6, James, let me go back, let me go down to verse 5. So also the tongue is a small part of the body, and yet it boasts of great things. See how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, the very world of iniquity. The tongue is set among the members of our body as that which, in, which defiles the entire body. Proverbs says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I'm sorry, Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. But he also said, death and life are in the power of the tongue. I'm sorry, 
Proverbs says that. Proverbs 18, death and life are in the power of the tongue. So he says uh, it, the tongue can defile the entire body and it sets on fire the course of our life and is set on fire by hell. Verse 7 of James 3. For every species of beasts and birds, of reptiles and creatures of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by the human race. Verse 8. But no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil. Restless. It can't stop. It's never satisfied unless it can speak evil, wicked things, including harsh judging and criticizing of others. And James says it is full of deadly poison. Again, Solomon wrote in Proverbs, death and life are in the power of the tongue. You know, we have the ability to, to ruin someone's life by what we say to them. Or we have the ability to strengthen and encourage someone by what we say to them. You know, why? Because we are created in God's image and according to his likeness. How did God create the world? He spoke it into existence. And given that he gives us free will, given that we have the power to create, I'm not talking about the same power that God has to create, but we have the, the power, uh, the ability to build a building, to build a city, to build a military, to, uh, there, you know, just there's so many things that we have. We have creative ability, but we have creative ability with our tongue. We can, we can put someone down. We can threaten someone. We can intimidate someone or we can appreciate and encourage and build up someone. That's power. And, and operated in the wrong way, James is warning us that it, the tongue is full of deadly poison. And then he says in verse nine, with it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth, verse 10, come both blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be this way. You see, my friends, God will hold us accountable for every rotten word that comes out of our mouths. That's what Jesus says. Well, that's why we need to repent, probably on a daily basis, because we sin with our mouths. And when we confess our sin, what does the Bible say? I, I mentioned it earlier. God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But if we refuse to repent, then that sin is not washed in the blood of Jesus. It's not atoned for, and we will be held accountable for those verbal sins. 
You mark my words at the day of judgment, at the great white throne of judgment. You are going to see that God is going to bring back for every human being that has ever lived, every single sinful word they have ever spoken. Every single person will stand in account for every single word spoken. And I'm not even talking about all the wicked deeds they've done. This is serious stuff. And so Jesus says, do not judge and you will not, you don't like to be judged, do you? I don't like to be judged. Then we have to, we have to submit our will to the Holy Spirit and develop the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Many days as I'm getting ready to go somewhere and, and be with people, I will ask the Lord to help me to walk in his fruit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. I've got it memorized. So I'll say, Father, I'll say Holy Spirit because it's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, help me to walk in your love. And that Greek word love, agape, means a giving love, a sacrificial love, a serving love, a unconditional love. Help me to walk in your love, in your joy. That's a reminder to me that, that I need his joy in your peace. That is with other people. In your patience. That's a very, very strong word that means the, the patience that can go beyond human ability. But you see, that's something that only the Holy Spirit can produce. In your love, your joy, your peace, your patience, your gentleness, but the word is humility. The humility which is strength under control. The King James Version is meekness, but I don't care for that word meekness because it, it implies that we're weak. That's not what that word means. It is the strength, the, the humility which is strength under control. Number six, your kindness. That is that we're kind to others. Your goodness. That we are walking in the goodness of the Holy Spirit toward others, your faithfulness, that we are faithful uh, to him and to others, and your self-control. Wow, self-control is one of the most important, even though it's listed last, because it's self-control that enables us to say no to sin and yes to Jesus. You need more self-control, and so do I. Now, let me ask you a question. If you're asking the Holy Spirit on a daily basis to help you to walk in his fruit. Is that a prayer that he wants to answer? Yes, it is. And why not pray it for other believers as well? What we're saying when we pray those things is that this is important to us because it's important to the Holy Spirit. Isn't that true? Can you say amen with me? You see, when we walk this way, my friends, we are obeying the Lord to love others as we love ourselves. Now, the other thing I think I want to say that 
should be obvious is that uh, the, the man or woman who judges others, they invite the judgment of God upon themselves. That's another reason why we are not to judge others. And what I mean again by that is in a self-righteous, pride, prideful, or arrogant way. However, a forgiving spirit is evidence that we have been forgiven and that we value forgiveness. Again, verse 37, do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn. That means that word condemn is to censor someone. It, it means it's like a judge who, who not only says you're guilty, but pro pronounces a sentence upon the person. You don't have that authority, and I don't have that authority. Only God has that authority, and we cannot stand in the place of God over the lives of others. That's why he says pardon or release or forgive, and you will be pardoned or forgiven or released. You know, usually what happens is we end up criticizing someone or condemning someone oftentimes because we have bitterness towards that person. We are angry towards that person and we have not been forgiving them. And then that, that corrupts our heart. And when we think about the person, we speak harshly against that person. Most often when they're not around. Am I right on that? And so Jesus says that we are to be those who give, not takers, but givers. Why? Because God is a giver. God gave his only unique son that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. And so Jesus says in verse 38, give continually and it will be given to you. Again, here's the law of sowing and reaping or the law of reciprocity. It can work in our benefit, or it can work against us. Give, and it will be given to you. They, that is those that we give to, of our time, treasure, and talent, they will pour into your lap a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. What does he mean by that? Well, you know, this is an agricultural society, of which many of you live in, but it, it's a metaphor. It's, it's taken from the measuring out of grain in such a way as to ensure that full volume is given. Basically, that's like money in, in, in societies that are not agricultural, not farming. And then he says, they will pour into your lap, which is really your bosom, your it refers to a, a fold in the outer garment at that time um, made as it, as it hung over the girdle. It was basically like a large pocket. So they will pour into your pocket. Really, this is a financial term. I'm not talking about literal finances, although it could be. But Jesus is more concerned about the attitude of the heart, the way we treat others. And what he's saying is that this is a reminder that there is 
a reciprocity in the affairs of life. We get back what we put into life. Isn't that true? Well, I see that my time is running short. There are many of those that need to repent of your sin and receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And I want to urge you to do that right now by praying this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, pray it with me if you've never given your life to Jesus. Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Cleanse me of my unrighteousness. Live your life in me. And I will live for you and I will serve you all the days of my life. Thank you, Jesus, that you have heard my prayer. Thank you, Jesus, that you have forgiven me of my sin. Thank you, Jesus, that you are now my Lord and my Savior. And thank you, Jesus, that I belong to you. Amen and amen. God bless you all. Thank you, Pastor Brad, for this outstanding message and time of ministry. Friends, Pastor Brad and his wife Maureen need a prayer team. Would you kindly consider praying for them on a daily basis? Thank you for your partnership. If you've been blessed by this ministry, please tell others about it. If you would like to partner with him financially, please go to his website at bradably.com. You can also check out his two devotionals and his commentaries on amazon.com. Until next time, we pray that our Lord stir you daily to have a greater heart after him in every way.